it says here, uh, New Ager Robert Mueller, a former UN Assistant Secretary General to further the UN United Nations goal of uniting the world's religions, okay, talked about fundamentalisms, that would be people like you and I who strictly adhere to the word, the literal interpretation of the Bible, inflexible belief systems. Um, and we are known as a point of resistance to one world religion, by the way. It says that fundamentalism's inflexible belief systems play an incendiary role in global conflicts. Peace will be impossible, he said, without the taming of fundamentalism through a united religion that professes faithfulness only to the global spirituality and to the health of this planet. Hi, and welcome to One Little Candle, a place where genuine believers are encouraged, empowered, and inspired to be the light that God calls us to be by contending for the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his people so that we may pass down undefiled the truth of God's infallible word to the next generation. And in case you're thinking that you can't make a difference in your own little corner of the world, Yes, you can, because all it takes is one little candle. I'm your host, Rebecca Bershwinger. Thanks for joining me for today's episode. Moms and dads, do you have a budding artist in your home? If so, why not enter them into the very first global art contest for children to depict what is special about Israel for them? You see, this year, the nation of Israel will be celebrating its 75th anniversary of their Declaration of Independence and the restoration of the Jewish sovereignty to the land of Israel after almost 2,000 years. And so the Genesis 1-2-3 Foundation, which is a ministry that builds bridges between Christians and Jews, has created this art contest called What Israel Means to Me. So your child could either paint, color, draw, or illustrate a biblical story, prophecies relating to Israel, the modern state of Israel, the people of Israel, the scenery, and the landscape of Israel, or something else that connects them to Israel in a biblical and age-appropriate way. And this contest is open to ages 5 to 17. If you are interested, you must register your child and submit their entries by April 15, 2023. After that, a diverse panel of international judges will evaluate all the entries, and then winners will be announced in a live event on May 14th, which is the date of the 75th anniversary of Israel's Declaration of Independence. For more information or to register your child, log on to www.whatisraelmeanstome.com. Not only can your child show off their artistic talents, but they can also learn more about the nation of Israel in the process. So again, log on to www.whatisraelmeanstome.com. Hi, and thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I am doing well by the grace of God, and I hope that you are too, my friend. So today is the second part of a two-part episode. So if you're joining me for the very first time or have not listened to part one, I would encourage you to go back and listen to part one of this first. But today is part two of the episode titled The Abrahamic Family House. The devil is in the details, literally. And so in today's episode, I'm going to continue on. It's going to start off where um, we're going to talk a little bit about some of 
Pope Francis's <laughs> heretical uh, statements and beliefs, as well as talking more about the deceitfulness in this Abrahamic family house and what it truly represents. Because as I had said, it is deceitful. They're looking to unite the world in worldly ways. Um, They use, I call it code words. They're using terminology that tickles the ears of people who truly don't know and worship the one true God, really. Uh, the deceived. And they use words like unity, tolerance, acceptance, inclusion, justice, peace. Again, I call them code words, if you will, that are associated with this Abrahamic family house, because what they're really seeking to bring about, and I will bring this to light more in part two of this episode, what they're really seeking to bring about is a unity of religions, okay? A unity of religions where there will be no divide, But as Christians, we know there will always be a divide because of Christianity's exclusive claims. And those claims are that Jesus Christ is the only way. The gospel of Christ is by its very nature divisive. So it's the gospel that is getting in the way. So unless we want to dilute it or completely change it, there will never be a true true unity there. It's the sword, um, the gospel is the sword that Jesus told us in Matthew 10, verses 34 through 39, that he came with. He is that, that sword, the truth about him. So here in part two, I'm going to talk more about that as well as share with you the people and the thinking behind this religious complex in Abu Dhabi, and hopefully help you to understand more clearly exactly where this is headed. So here we are, part two of the Abrahamic family house. The devil is in the details, literally. So I'm going to talk about Pope Francis himself a little bit because you want to talk watering down. First of all, he's already got his theology wrong in terms of Jesus Christ in many ways. But now he's making these heretical statements about Christianity in general and true salvation. Pope Francis had written this long open letter to the founder of the La Repubblica newspaper, stating that non-believers would be forgiven by God if they followed their conscience. Now, first of all, unbelievers, the Bible tells us that their consciences are seared. Okay, keep that in mind. So he was responding, Pope Francis was responding to a list of questions published in the paper by a Mr. Scalfari. He wasn't a Roman Catholic. So Francis wrote back to him, you ask me if the God of the Christians forgives those who don't believe and who don't seek the faith. I start by saying, and this is the fundamental thing, that God's mercy has no limits if you go to him with a sincere and contrite heart. The issue for those who do not believe in God is to obey their conscience. Sin, even for those who have no faith, exists when people disobey their conscience. So that's pretty telling. And then There's an article in the Jerusalem Connection written by a Michael Snyder, and it says a new video has just been released in which Pope Francis very clearly expresses his belief that all of the major religions are different paths to the same God. He says that while people from various global faiths may be seeking God or meeting God in different ways, it is important to keep in mind that we are all children of God. Let me stop right there. Are we all children of God? 
Let's take a look at John chapter one, starting with verse 11. It says, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, Jesus Christ, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So those who believe on Jesus Christ are the ones who are called, who have the right to become children of God. 1 John 3.10 says, By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So not all are children of God. Yes, all are created by God, but that is different than actually being a child of God. Jesus said in John eight forty four, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. Now, he's telling this to the religious leaders of the day. You would think they, of all people, would have been children of God. They weren't. Not all are children of God. So Pope Francis has it wrong there, okay? So the article goes on to say about Pope Francis that this is the most recent example that shows that the Pope has completely abandoned any notion that a relationship with God is available only through Christ Jesus. As he has done throughout his papacy, he continues to lay the groundwork for the coming one-world religion, and yet hardly anyone seems upset by this. So now we have an article put out by the Catholic News Agency. It says the Pope's first ever video message on his monthly prayer intentions was released Tuesday, highlighting the importance of interreligious dialogue and the beliefs different faith traditions hold in common, such as the figure of God and love. He said, many think differently, feel differently, seeking God or meeting God in different ways. In this crowd, in this range of religions, there is only one certainty that we have for all. We are all children of God. This was Pope Francis's message that he released on January 6th in the Feast of the Epiphany. But then the article goes on to say, but it isn't just Pope Francis speaking in this video. In fact, one section of the video features leaders from various global religions expressing faith in their respective deities. The following comes from an article about his new video that was posted on Christian News Network. The video then features clips of those from different world religions declaring belief in their various deities. Here we go. I have confidence in Buddha, a female lama announces. I believe in God, a rabbi affirms. I believe in Jesus Christ, a priest states. I believe in Allah, an Islamic leader declares. Are you shocked yet, it asks. The Pope closes the video with an appeal for people from every religion to talk with one another and to work with one another. Here is more from the Catholic News Agency. Later on, after the Pope affirms that all, regardless of their religious profession, are children of God, the faith leaders state their common belief in love. Pope Francis closes the video by expressing his hope that viewers will, quote, spread my prayer requests this month, that sincere dialogue among men and women of different faiths may produce fruits of peace and justice. I have confidence in your prayers. And it says here that it is not the first time that Pope Francis has done something like this, Early on in his papacy, he authorized Islamic prayers and readings from the Quran at the Vatican for the first time ever. 
And Pope Francis, by the way, also believes that Christians and Muslims worship the same God. He said this during his visit to St. Patrick's Cathedral in Manhattan. He said, I would like to express two sentiments for my Muslim brothers and sisters. Firstly, my greetings as I celebrate the Feast of Sacrifice. I would have wished my greeting to be warmer. My sentiments of closeness, my sentiments of closeness in the face of tragedy, the tragedy that they suffered in Mecca. In this moment, I give assurance of my prayers. I unite myself with you all. A prayer to Almighty God and Merciful. So in Islam, one of Allah's primary titles is the All-Merciful One. So um, so Pope Francis kind of uses a lot of language like this that comes from the Islamic faith as well. And um, I'll, I'll, here was a statement made during his very first ecumenical meeting as Pope. He said, I then greet and cordially thank you all, dear friends belonging to other religious traditions, first of all the Muslims, who worship the one God, living and merciful, and call upon him in prayer, and all of you. I really appreciate your your presence. In it, I see a tangible sign of the will to grow in mutual esteem and cooperation for the common good of humanity. So you get the picture here. Pope Francis believes that all religions are different paths to the same God. And he's really been working hard to lay a foundation for the coming one world religion, because we're pretty sure this is what's going to be when the Antichrist is, in fact, ruling. And there was an interesting statement that Pope Francis had made about Christian fundamentalism. He referred to it as a sickness. He made it clear there was no room for it in Catholicism. But let's look at what is fundamentalism. If you Google it, it defines it as a form of religion, especially Islam or Protestant Christianity, that upholds belief in the strict, literal interpretation of Scripture. That would be you and I, my friends. We're a sickness, and there's no room for us. I'm in Catholicism, he says, but that's fine with me. But um, I'm assuming that means that Pope Francis is against any Christians that believe in the literal interpretation of the Bible. <laughs> how how else would you take it, right? And that would be Christians that are against a, a one world religion <laughs> forming too. I've heard people mention Chrislam over the years, and I haven't really thought either way about it. I thought, well, could be, maybe, maybe not. You know, people have all kinds of ideas that they come up with some some weird, some some right on the mark. But um, I don't know. It, it's a possibility, right? We are definitely diluting the, our Christian faith for sure. Um, the gospel has been diluted. It's been watered down. So this is what brings us to, to something like this. Again, the Catholic Church does not represent the true Christian church, and that is the one religion that's, that's up there. But they're looking at this as Christian. So, you know, but something big is happening through this Abrahamic family house. Um, Something big has happened. I believe this is a big deal. We're not seeing the complete fruition of it all, the results of it all. You know, we're not seeing it in its completion, but something has definitely happened. It's been in the works for a long time. And to me, and if this isn't another sign of the fact that we are in the end times. Now, the other day I heard someone ask if we've ever thought of the possibility that we are in the early church age. And when I heard that question asked, I thought to myself, are you kidding me? In my opinion, absolutely not. We couldn't be any further from the early church 
And why I say that is if we look around, we see the height or the depths, whichever way you want to look at it, of the moral depravity, the usurping, the attempted usurping of God's created order. Yes, we've always had sinfulness and depravity in our world since the fall, and we've had sexual immorality, but this is worldwide. Look at the extent it's happening to the extent that young children Uh, People don't know what sex they are. They believe they can click their fingers and flip from one to the other, that a man can be a woman, a woman can be a man, that marriage is between two people of the same sex. And and now, you know, we're, we're starting to make sure that we downplay the sinfulness of pedophilia. And, you know, we have drag queens performing, reading in libraries and coming into schools and people taking their kids to see sexual perversion being played out. You know, we see polyamory being honored and recognized and so many things were going backwards and we're calling good evil and evil good. Those who speak truth are considered haters and what comes out of their mouth when they speak truth hate speech. We are in a Romans 1 world, no doubt. God has given us over to our wicked desires as a collective society. And then when I think of Revelation and all the things that Revelation kind of talks about, and we did not have the technology to carry out things that were slated to happen in the book of Revelation. Now we have it, and it's in use. It's in play So this is not the early church. Again, so many things that just were not possible yet to have happened because the technology wasn't there now. Now the technology is there. It's in place. It's being used. The stage is set. Um, I think our our spiritual minds and eyes need to be open to see this. Even unbelievers are wondering. There's being talk about a rapture and, and end times non-believers are asking questions about it. So this is not the early church. That much I know. And you know, last I knew in Abu Dhabi, it's against the law to share the gospel. Um, You can convert from Christianity to Islam, that's legal, but it's illegal to convert from Islam to Christianity. (laughs) So it's kind of interesting that these buildings are where they are right now. But you cannot intermingle and mix religions and blurring that doctrinal line. It's only going to work in the way that they're touting it if we deny certain core tenets of our faith and the other religions as well. But the Christianity is the religion that matters when you deny your core tenets of your faith. It matters when it comes to Christianity. They, they talk about bringing about world peace, and they're doing this from a humanistic stance. They're using religion, but it's really all humanism. We cannot bring about world peace without the Prince of Peace. That is Jesus Christ, who's so controversial in this and not recognized for who he is in two of those, well, in all three, the Roman Catholic Church, Islamic, and the, the, the Judaism as well. You can't bring world peace by blending religions. Um, You can't do it without Jesus. And you know what Jesus said? He came with a sword. That sword is the gospel, right? Jesus came with a sword. 
So Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 through 38, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. But here Jesus clearly says that the gospel, his truth, and the truth that he is the way, the only way to the Father, is going to cause division even among those who are closest here in our earthly relationships, those who we love the most. As long as there are people who are still standing firm that Jesus is the only way, there's never going to be complete unity in these religions. There's going to be division. The only way to have harmony, quote-unquote harmony, would be if everyone was denying that Jesus Christ is the only way. I certainly don't see the Muslim religion saying that Jesus is the only way, okay? Unfortunately, it would be the Christians um, who would be willing to acquiesce to that pressure, and that's very sad. Peace will not be fulfilled until the return of Jesus. And think about it, even then, during his thousand year, his millennial reign here on earth, Jesus is going to be a perfect and just leader, the best leader this world's ever known, a perfect leader. And there will be ultimate equality and justice, okay? Not in the way the world's looking at it. Um, We're not going to be looking at each other through color, through the lens of color and making judgment that way, or the lens of sexual preferences, you know, we're going to be looking at each other as as then children of God, right? Um, but there will be there will be unbelievers occupying the earth at the time because there will be people who have been through the tribulation that will not be in their glorified bodies. That's a whole other episode. But there will be ultimate um, equality and justice with Jesus reigning. But there's still going to be sinful people who will turn on him and eventually wage war against him. We all know how that ends. I want to give some of those human fraternity statements. There's just a few here and there. Here are some statements. This is the thing that Pope John Paul, Pope John Paul, where did that come from? Pope Francis, I hope I didn't say that before. Pope Francis um, signed along with the uh, Sunni Grand Imam Ahmed Al-Tayyib. It says, all believers of God, and to me, this is a generic God when they say this, all believers of God must work together to counter the problems we are facing today. It's important to cultivate values and to maintain a relationship with religion, whether it's in church, a mosque, or a synagogue. Religion, by the way, they keep using the term religion again. See, here's our, here's the difference between us and them. We are not a religion. They dub it as a religion. No, a Christian is a follower of Jesus. We have a relationship with him, a relationship with the Father, the true one and only living God through Jesus Christ, his son. We are righteous because of his righteousness. It's his righteousness imputed to us um, by his grace. Another quote, if we follow our religion in its right form and without misinterpretation, we would be living in the best condition possible, he told the attendees. Well, I would have to agree with that. But again, what's the definition of in its right form? In its right form is to follow Jesus Christ, to follow the commands in there, and that is to love one another in the way that he loved us. But the world has perverted that too. Loving one another means tolerating sin. 
and embracing it and accepting it and never calling it out, never loving your brother enough to call it out. Um, another quote, we have we have embarked on this path in the hope for a new world that is free of wars and conflicts where the fearful are reassured, the poor sustain, the vulnerable protected, and justice administered. And by the way, that is how dictators rise to power. That is how socialism and communism starts. They're really talking, speaking from humanistic values, that you have a humanistic vision in mind, not God's way of doing things, but man's way under the guise of religion. To mark the International Day of Human Fraternity, President Biden sent a letter to the higher committee calling for global solidarity to meet the challenges of the day. He said this, from the ongoing threat of the COVID-19 pandemic and the existential climate crisis to the rise of violence around the world, these challenges require global cooperation from people of all backgrounds, cultures, faiths, and beliefs, Biden wrote. He added that these challenges require us to speak with one another in open dialogue to promote tolerance, inclusion, and understanding. Red flag, go up again. And above all, they require us to be open-minded, cooperative, and empathetic, and to ensure that all people are treated with dignity and as full participants in society. And the funny thing is, this is exactly what Christianity is done God's way. You're only going to get that through Christianity. But they want to do it their way. And that always promotes more division, okay, and wars and conflicts and misunderstanding, okay? These are Christian beliefs. Tolerance would be respect for someone who is Muslim. We may not agree. We could share the gospel with them. I think we should, but it's their choice and their freedom to say, nope, I don't believe it, and to walk away from it. And you say, okay. And you don't hate them because of it. You pray for them. That's tolerance, you know, not hating them, not doing something to to hurt them or punish them because they reject your faith. You should still be able to have dinner with them if you'd like. <laughs> okay? Work with them. Have a relationship with them. That's tolerance. That's inclusion. Not judging someone based on their religion or their skin color or anything. I mean judging their worth as a human being. You can judge them to be a sinner and an unbeliever. We're called to do that um, if they deny Jesus Christ. You know, and treating people with dignity, that's found in the Christian religion. That's called, see, I said religion. It's not a religion. That happens in the Christian belief. So, yeah, it all sounds so good, doesn't it? Um. Let me talk a little bit more about fundamentalism. How's that sound? Because this is an article from catholicculture.org. And they're talking about, actually, it was really interesting. You should look at it. This was written back in the 90s, talking about the one world religion they believe would be instituted by the year 2000. And they, they talked about this having uh, Masonic ties to the Masonic temple, the Masons. But it says here, a uh, new ager, Robert Mueller, a former UN assistant secretary general who was groomed by you thought to further the UN United Nations goal of uniting the world's religions. Okay talked about fundamentalisms, that would be people like you and I who strictly adhere to the word, the literal interpretation of the Bible, inflexible belief systems. Um, 
And we are known as a point of resistance to one world religion, by the way. It says that fundamentalism's inflexible belief systems play an incendiary role in global conflicts. Peace will be impossible, he said, without the taming of fundamentalism through a united religion that professes faithfulness only to the global spirituality and to the health of this planet. It goes on to say, while agreeing that fundamentalism is a challenge to peace, Swing said fundamentalists are not the enemy and they will bring great gifts to the family of the world. This disagreement between leaders of the religious tolerance school is more than ironic. It reflects a difficulty. The um, I'm not sure what the UR is here, sorry, because it's a piece of an article. Faces in dealing with the New Age belief that fundamentalists and credo religions cause divisions and wars. <sighs> An influential medium and futurist, Barbara Marks Hubbard, says that fundamentalists are seen as holding back the progress of the New World Order and the evolution of the universe towards godhood, an evolution that can only take place under conditions of peace. <laughs> She's actually threatened fundamentalists, including Orthodox Catholics, with extinction. So I'm going to leave you the link to that article because I think you should really, really, really check that one out. Um, It says here, Robert Mueller, who I just talked about, explains, each generation must decide what is right and wrong. We need a science, not a religion, to define what is good and bad. We need ethics in time. What is right today may not be right tomorrow. That's what the Bible calls a fool. Revealing the totalitarianism of the New Age, Mueller recommends that each nation establish commissions on ethics to control every aspect of ethics. And yeah, we're headed there. So I know a lot, a lot with this episode. So there's a lot more here in my notes. I could go on and on. I'm hoping I've accomplished what I've set out to do. I've made my point that this is not a good thing. Um, there is something underneath this, okay? It seems good. It seems, like I said, righteous. It seems like light, right? They're going to try under religion to get us all into one mindset. But they really disguise it so that it looks like it's, it's, it's a good thing and it's cooperative. The only way for it to be acceptable for a so-called Christian church to be tolerated there is to, it's to not preach the true gospel. Try to convert someone to Christianity from Islam. See how tolerant they are, right? And so I, I, I want to share this with you too. There's a piece from the WCRP conference, World Climate Research Program Conference, okay? They had many speakers from around the world. They had cardinals and presidents of pontifical councils for justice and peace and interreligious dialogue councils from all over the world. They had a lot of quote-unquote religious people. They had the president of the Rockefeller Foundation, which provided financing for this, um, Catholic theologians, um, people from the Masonry, the Masonic temple, I think, or people friendly towards masonry. But this article here that I have says that this conference featured prayers and meditation rituals from different religions, both at the Vatican and at the secondary conference site in Riva del Garda. The Pope listened to Quranic verses and Jewish, Shinto, Buddhist, and Hindu invocations for peace. 
said inside the Vatican Seven. Um, and this was in February 1995. And it was reported that the conference's final declaration acknowledged the New World community taking shape, affirmed the, quote, sacredness of the earth and our unity with it. Have you not heard me say, and have you not heard others say that they are worshiping the earth? That is what this contrived climate crisis is about. It's worshiping Mother Earth, okay? So they affirmed the sacredness of the earth and our unity with it and asserted that sharing of sacred texts, respectful observance of other religious traditions, and participation in common meditation can facilitate mutual enrichment and inspiration. The bait of the syncretic movement is peace. So the bait of this is peace. They're trying to do peace without the Prince of Peace. It says here in the article, a world tired of warfare, much of it deliberately fomented, will eagerly follow anyone who promises peace. It does not look like the UN will produce peace by the New Age target date of 2000 AD. So again, like I said, this was written in the mid-90s. So the torch has been passed to religions. With communism conveniently dead, quote-unquote, it is easy to engender supposedly religious wars, blame religions in general for conflicts past and present, then tell them they have a responsibility to work for religious unity and peace, okay? Does any of this sound familiar with what this Abrahamic family house is all about and this human fraternity statement? The article goes on to say, this anyhow is the propaganda. The hidden agenda, however, made clear by the statements of syncretists themselves is to unite people under one religion so that they will peacefully accept the one world government. Unstated is their hope that Catholicism, the real target of all this activity, would finally be destroyed peacefully by indifferentism. To avoid being drawn into syncretism, Catholics have to recognize and reject the three wrong premises on which the New Age concept of peace is based. So here you have the Catholic Roman Catholic Church, one of the houses in Abu Dhabi, part of this trinity of complexes. Um, You have the Pope pushing for it and speaking the same language that's coming from this article here that I talked about. And syncretism, by the way, is just trying to sync religions, schools of thought together. That's what the interfaith dialogue stuff, interfaith stuff is is a form of syncretism. Um, I'll leave links to all these articles because I know I pulled pieces... I hope I wasn't confusing. Um, I just pulled different pieces from different articles here because I could probably go on about this for days. But this is where we're at, my friends. This is where we're at. I think we are seeing a one-world religion. I don't know if it's Chrislam, but I do think we're seeing a one-world religion coming to fruition, no doubt. But, you know... Think about colors for a second. I'll, I'll leave you with this. When you take red and you take blue and you mix them together, what do you get? You get purple, a whole new color. No longer two separate colors with their own distinct features. It's now blended into one. You have a new color, purple. Gone are the red, gone are the blue. You now have purple. But that same premise applies to a religion's Uh, doctrine to their theology. You cannot intermingle religions, not where Jesus is concerned. Can't blend them. You can't mix them. So yeah, um, a lot of people are celebrating this and they have jumped on the bandwagon. They are blind and deaf to the truth, the reality of it. 
it seems righteous, it seems good, it seems like light, but let's not forget something. As good as all this seems and sounds, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm going to start it with verse 12. Paul says, And what I am doing I will continue to do in order to undermine the claims of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission they work on the same terms as we do. Does that sound familiar, right? Under the guise of God and religion, they're, they're going to bring about goodness. They're going to look out for humanity. And they're boasting about it. But they don't work on the same terms we do. But Paul goes on to say, for such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. Hence the name of this episode, the Abrahamic family house. The devil is in the details, literally. All right. I hope this episode has really brought a lot to light. I hope it's given you incentive to go and learn more about this for yourself. And whatever you learn, don't keep it to yourself, please. Be that light in the darkness. That's how you're going to be that one little candle. Spiritual discernment seems to be really lacking this these days in the church. Um, share with others what you've learned. Speak out about this, okay? You don't want people to be duped, but this is something big and it's not good <laughs> in the end. It's just not good. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. The Prince of Peace is the only one who will bring about peace. And for the time being, the gospel, instead, it's an offense to those who are perishing. It's a sword. It causes division among families, even among churches. So stand firm in that truth, my friend. Pray for peace, of course. Pray for those who are so caught up in this and so so deceived. Pray for God's light of truth to shine brightly in their hearts open their eyes. Times are getting tougher, and I think they're going to continue in that direction. So we need to buckle down. We need to dig our heels in and keep God's word at the forefront of our lives because it's real easy to be deceived because those lies sound so noble and so wonderful. But they are what I called them. They're, they're lies. Many of them don't even know that they're lying. They believe the lies. Okay, song for the day. I have an excellent song. I've been talking so much about Jesus and Jesus being the only way. And that is the name of the song for the song for today is Jesus is the only way. I will leave the link in the podcast description. Of course, as always, it's on YouTube. Great song. Jesus is the only way. If you like One Little Candle... If it's helped you, blessed you, encouraged you at all, please share it. Share it with friends. Share it with family. Um, follow me. Leave a review. I love I love reviews. I know not every 
podcast listening platform lets you leave reviews, but if you have an opportunity to, please do so. You can also subscribe at onelittlecandlepodcast.com or listen to the podcast from the player right there as well. Also, check out my website, lovintruthbooks.com, L-O-V-I-N truthbooks.com. There you will have a selection of some children's books. Um, The book I is for Israel, for younger children, introducing them to Israel and the Jewish people, is coming out this week. So that, I think, is book number five. I have a couple books on gender and a couple books on God's design for marriage. The point is, get there first. Get to your kids first with the truth about God's design for marriage and our permanently fixed gender. They're free. They're in PDF form loveandtruthbooks.com. Please check it out. Okay. I'd like to give a shout out to some more of my listeners from around the world. And speaking of United Arab Emirates, I have listeners there. So I would like to say hello to you and thank you very much for, for listening to me. So United Arab Emirates, Madagascar, and Malaysia. I'm going to choose those uh, nations today. Thank you, people, for listening to One Little Candle. I pray that wherever you are in your own part of the world, you are being that light in the darkness because the darkness is everywhere, no matter where we live. No matter where we live, we need Jesus, right? We need the, the gospel. We need to share the gospel. We need to be those lights. So God bless you, people in um, Madagascar, Malaysia, and the United Arab Emirates. One Little Candle loves you and appreciates you. You can email me a hello at candlestogether at gmail.com or say hello over my website. Either way, I'm happy to have you. Um, Starting next week, I am going to be reading you a book. (laughs) It's a short read, but it is a wonderful book. I mentioned this book, I think, like in my second episode. It's called The Calvary Road. This book really was a life changer for me. Um, I didn't like it as I was reading it because I was getting a little angry. It was conviction that I was falling under. Luckily, God had my, my heart and my mind open to what God had to say to me, but it really helped me overcome some obstacles that were putting up a wall in my marriage and my relationship with God. And this book, actually, it's about revival of all things. I know we're hearing a lot about this Asbury revival, and I will talk about that in my next episode. And this book, I think, will be great in relation to that because revival is not necessarily what we think it is. So this book, I think, is just really important to study. So I am going to read it chapter by chapter, one chapter each week. I think there's a total of 39 pages in the book, including the foreword and whatever. So it's a short read, but man, it is rich and um, sometimes difficult, but we need that in our lives. We need conviction. We need direction and sometimes sternness, um, a way to look at ourselves. And this book, I think, does it in such a wonderful, but it's also loving manner. And I think every Christian should read this and contemplate for themselves this book. A lot of what didn't help me overcome, this book certainly did. So I cannot wait to share it with you. All right. Until next time, you take care and God bless.